Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really massive privilege to be here. Thank you. And um, thanks for looking after me this weekend. And uh, we had a bit of fun last night, didn't we? Yeah, and uh, and uh, hopefully if we never offended anyone. If you're Glaswegian, I'm very sorry for my comments. Yeah, <laughs> now, <laughs> obviously a few of you have let me know that Glasgow is better than Edinburgh, and that is that has been a blessing. Thank you for that. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the input. So uh, it's great, really good. Um, I. Uh, I was uh, reading a book and it was talking about how this preacher, basically, um, he took his son everywhere he went. He took his son to every event. And his son was like, Dad, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. And I thought, wow, this, this is what I want. And uh, I've got a son and I want him to be like that. And then this book said that the little lad said to his dad, is it okay if I call you sir? And I thought, I want that. I want my boy to be like, can I call you sir? So um, this book said that he took his son everywhere he preached. So I thought, I'm going to do that. So I started to take my son Jordan. And Jordan was 15 at the time. And I took him to this event in, in Birmingham. And I was preaching and he was sitting on the front row. And I was giving it my best. There was, a, there was a couple of thousand people there. And I was preaching my best. And my son was sitting there. And the whole sermon, he was just like rolling his eyes, yawning, just like, oh, this is so boring, yeah? And then at the end, I, um, I kind of got asked by the leaders, would I go into a side room and answer some questions? There's some 60 leaders are going to be in this room. Would I? So I was like, yeah, 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 I'll go in. So I went in and, you know, they were asking me, oh, that was a great talk. They said, how do you craft your talks? And you know when people start asking you questions like that and you start to answer and you become a little bit like, oh, yes, you know, it takes a lot of time to craft a talk like this. And I was getting a little bit, let's just be honest, I was getting a little bit ahead of myself. And uh, anyway, I saw this little table with tea and coffee on it. And in front of all these leaders, I said, hey, Jordan, hey, son, how about you jump up and get your dad a coffee? And in front of all these leaders, he went, how about you jump up and get it yourself? That's what he said. That's what he said. Wow. There was like a synchronized buttock clench, yeah? And it was like, and then um, about 40 people went to get me coffee, which was embarrassing, to say the least. And on the way home, I was like, oh, blooming it, Jordan, flipping it. How about you jump up and get it yourself? I'm like, come on, son. And my son just sat there and he turned to me and went, Dad, God has told me to keep you humble. And uh, <laughs> And I says, well, that's great. That is great because God has told me to keep you in poverty. So it's all going to work out. It's just going to work out nice, you little blessing. Love. Oh, I deeply, deeply regret teaching him how to speak. Do you know what I mean? So I wanted to just mention, uh, I mentioned it yesterday, but I've got these little notebooks uh, with me. Um, the three pound, or if you want to get two for five. But basically, 
I've been, during lockdown, I've been memorizing the Bible, trying to um, learn how to have the kind of little book in my pocket the whole time so that when i am kind of got a few minutes, I'm actually filling my mind with the Bible. And there is a little guide there that helps you to kind of show you what to do. So if you want to pick one of them up there at the end, that's completely cool. So I'm excited because I want to read from Psalm 23. Amazing, amazing Psalm. You know, everybody knows that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But I want to look at a really interesting verse in verse 5. Let me just go from the beginning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then this is the verse that I really want to emphasize. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. You know that verse, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. You see, David is speaking here and he's talking about a table being set in front of his enemies. And you know, David is talking about being in the presence of his enemies. David had got many real True enemies, many people that wanted to kill him. Yeah, a whole long line of people that wanted to kill David. I don't think there's too many of us today that have got a long list of people that want to kill us. Yeah, looking at some of you, you're like, "Mm." (laughs) there might be a few. But, you know, we might not have enemies in the same way as David is talking about here. But, you know, we all have got enemies of our soul. We've all got enemies of our soul. Discouragement, fear, apathy. A lot of us, we've got these things that are discouraging and are hard and that want to bring us down. And the Bible here says that David uh, uh, talks about a lavish feast being prepared in front of the enemies. Firstly, I love the sense of like a lavish feast. Because, you know, living in 2022 is, is exhausting. Yeah. Many of us are tired. Many of us have got a lot going on. How do we keep on going? How do we keep on doing another week? How do we do another full week of pressure and time and stuff against us and struggle? How do we do it? What is the thing that encourages us and keeps us going? And I I, I love this. Um, One of my friends um, recently called Neil, he has run um, a race. It's a hundred miles the race is long. And uh, when, I, when I was thinking about this, I just can't even get my head around running for 100 miles. 
But one of the major things that's important about running for 100 miles is you've got to keep that sustenance. You've got to keep yourself fed. You can't just start running 100 miles and finish it and it's all good. You've got to have that sustenance that keeps you alive, keeps you moving. And it's like we, you cannot keep on going unless you have got sustenance from God. You cannot just keep on going unless you are having your soul replenished. You must have your soul being replenished. Have you ever been at home in the sugar bowl and it's empty? Have you ever gone to it and the last person that used it used the last bit of sugar and you're like, oh. And it's like, we want to try and keep that sugar bowl replenished, don't we? We want to get into the lard and we want to keep the bowl full and running over. And it's like that with our soul. Is that it's not about just emptying, emptying, emptying until we're completely empty. We've got to find ways of replenishing our soul. What is it that does your soul good? What is it that like fills you up? What is it that keeps you going? I mean, some spiritual things to think about. I was talking about this the other day, but, you know, I started to get into this thing, silence and the discipline of silence. And it's a powerful and beautiful thing. Maybe it would be good for you this week to have little pockets of time when you listen to praise and worship and you just allow your soul to be replenished. Maybe for you, it's just kind of regurgitating the word of God, reading the Bible and just keeping it as part of your everyday life. This is all the things that restore our soul. What about actual things that, you know, are not in the Bible, but just do us good? You might be someone that, just needs to have a bath now and again. I don't mean <laughs> that could be taken wrong. I don't mean you're one of those people that need to have a bath now and again. You know what I'm saying. But you might need to be someone who, like, you know, puts themselves in, let's have a spa day for a day, a day soon. Maybe you just need to kind of go and watch some sport. We all need to find that thing that re-energizes us, refreshes us. You know, I love this, recreation, recreating, recreating. You know, have you, have you got enough holidays in? Are you putting a little trip away in? Do you somebody that like loves to go camping? Some people get refreshed by the weirdest things. Like, you know, on the top of a mountain in a tent and they love that and that really does them good. Not for me. I like a hotel, yeah, where people bring me food. But everybody's like got their thing that kind of helps them and replenishes them. What replenishes your soul? Have you been able to work out what it is that does you good? That after you've done that activity, you feel better about yourself. You feel stronger. These are important things. But I love that David talks about in the presence of of my enemies, the Lord sets a table for me. You see, what I think is so powerful about this is that David acknowledges that there are enemies. You see, I maybe grew up in a, a little bit of a culture where it kind of felt like what we said from the front was, you know, come to the front and God will magic wand your problems away. God will kind of like, you know, just make them all disappear. 
And you know, often I can remember being at youth camps going forward or youth events going forward and just expecting that magic touch from God and it would make everything okay. But you know, most of us have been a Christian for a while. We know that God does not always just magic wand everything away. Most of us have got stories of how we've had to come through struggles and through things that have been difficult and through things that have been hard. Things that have been tough. Um, I, I'm a, I used to be a youth preacher. I was preaching all the big youth events and all the stuff. And you know, I remember young people pouring to the front and they wanted kind of me to pray for them. And some of the things that they would ask me to pray for. And I remember one young guy comes to the front and he's like, oh God, God. And I'm like, oh, what would you like me to pray? He goes, I'm really, really, really struggling with lust. I'm really struggling with lust. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, I just wanted to pray that God would take it away. And I'm like, whoa, no, 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 no. Let's not pray that prayer, yeah? Let's pray that you can become a strong man of God and that you can deal with your challenges and that you can go out of here living a victorious life. That is a far greater prayer than for me to tell you, like, Father God, take this all away from him. What are you wanting that prayer for? You do not want that prayer. And, you know, it's like that thing that sometimes at church, we kind of want God to take stuff away when God is actually saying, no, 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 I'm working through this and I can do something amazing and I can do something powerful through this. Does this make sense? It's like, wow, you know, God does not eliminate the enemies but he makes a feast in front of the enemies that enables you to experience the goodness of God in front of all of your challenges. Amen. That whatever you are challenged with today, whatever your struggle is, God prepares a table that you are able to eyeball your enemy and you're able to say, wow, look at this. You're sitting across the table from me, but God is good and God is a provider and God has got the victory. Amen. I love this. It's not saying that you won't have any enemies. We can't believe a Christian faith that tells us, come to Jesus and everything will be okay. We can't have a Christian faith that says, come to know God and everything is going to be absolutely fine and dandy. Of course we've still got huge challenges. Of course we've still got struggles and things that are our enemies. But the wonderful news in this verse is that even in front of our enemies, God has prepared a lavish feast for us that we can be strong and bold and courageous. Amen. I love this. Because God is like, wow, Mark, the things that you are facing, the challenges that you are facing. I remember being absolutely terrified. I got the opportunity to preach at the NEC in Birmingham. And there was, um, was 12,000 people there. And some of you will remember a band called Delirious. Can anybody remember that band? And Delirious was an amazing band. And there it was at the NEC in Birmingham. And... Um, they were doing the whole event and I was backstage and then I got this call from the God Channel guys. And the God Channel guys, come in, come in and see this. And I went in and the God Channel were putting the whole thing out and um, lots of people were watching it all over the world. 
And what had happened, it was happening in Birmingham and some Muslims had got on there and they had said, whoever opens the Bible, we're going to pronounce jihad against them and we're going to kill them. And all those God Channel people were like clapping and cheering and saying, wow, isn't this amazing? We've really rattled the enemy. The enemy's really on the run. Everyone was like that. Everyone except me because I'm thinking, I'm the guy that's opening the Bible, yeah? And I'm like, what am I going to do? I thought about like getting up and saying, hi, I'm Pastor Jim Smith. I live at Presswick. I thought about doing that, but you know, maybe that would have been, that would have been wrong. And I remember just like coming out of there and I was preaching in 40 minutes and delirious with doing this stuff and all these messages were going to say, whoever opens the Bible, we're going to kill them and all this stuff. And I remember just like trying to find somewhere, anywhere that I could pray. And there was drama groups and bands and everything in all the different rooms. And the only room I could find was this like cupboard, this cleaning cupboard. And I shut the cleaning cupboard and I'm in with all the stuff. And I just started to cry out to God. And I'm like, God, oh God, what am I going to do? They've pronounced jihad against the event. I was terrified. And it was in Birmingham. Birmingham, you know, like it's not exactly like kind of the million miles away from Muslims. There are a lot of Muslims in Birmingham. And I'm thinking, oh God. And I'm crying up to God and I'm saying, God, I'm trying to do this thing for you. I'm trying to do this thing for you. And I kept saying, I'm doing this for you and that. And then God speaks to me in the cupboard. And God says to me, you're not doing this thing for me. You're doing this thing with me. With me. And in this moment, in this cupboard, I'm like, I'm doing this thing with you. God says to me, I'm going to be on the stage with you. It's all going to be fine. And I had this moment of peace. It was amazing. I was just like, wow. And then as I'm in that moment, beautiful, sacred moment in that cupboard, next thing, there's a guy running up and down crazy up the back saying, where's the preacher? He's on in two minutes. Where's the preacher? And then I thought, oh, no. So I can't. I opened the door. And as I opened the door, this guy stops. And I went, I'm the preacher. And as I said, I'm the preacher, a hoover fell out the cupboard. <laughs> And I was just like, don't worry about that. That is my anointed hoover. Yeah, I take it everywhere I go. And uh, this young guy looks at me and goes, are you really the preacher? I'm like, yeah, I'm really the preacher. And I went on and wow, incredibly, 1,300 people gave their life to Jesus on that day. 1,300 people. Because... I wasn't doing it for God, I was doing it with God. It was like, God, you are with me. And what this verse is saying, that whatever you're facing, you're not doing it for God. You're not doing it to try and prove to God that you're okay, that you've been a good guy or you're a good girl. The wonderful news is that we do this with God. God is with us. He is with us. He's like saying, I'm in that work situation with you. I'm in that family situation with you. I'm in that hardship with you. God is with us. Wow, we can experience God's goodness and bounty in the midst of the trouble. Amen. We can enjoy God's goodness and God's bounty in the face of our enemy. You know, you're like been struggling with something for such a long time, but friend, today you, whatever that struggle is, you can know the greatness and goodness of God right there in the midst of it. 
And then I love this. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of, an, of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. I'm, and I started to do a bit of reading about this. Because my initial understanding of this was the classic kind of thing about David being anointed. David was anointed to become king. And I thought that David was talking about the anointing. But as I began to look into this, I realized that it wasn't meaningless. You see, the anointing on the head in this verse, and the way that it is phrased, it is meaning the anointing the head with oil is referring to an ancient custom, hospitality and respect shown to esteemed dinner guests. And it was like the host anoints the guest as they come in to say, you are welcome here. Everything that you can see is yours. It is fine. You are our esteemed guest. And I began to understand that what is talked about here when it says, you anoint my head with oil, is the richness of the host's goodness. That it's the goodness of the Lord that is anointing our head. It is make yourself at home. You have got all my resources. They are yours. Amen. That the Lord is saying everything I have is yours. Ah, you anoint my head with oil. How wonderful is this? Now, I want to be honest with you, right? I'm living in England. I'm married to an English lady. My kids were born in England. But I am Scottish. And I want to tell you, Scottish people are much better at hospitality than English people, yeah? When you go to Scotland, like they just have this thing where they say, listen, you're so welcome, come in. The great phrase that Scottish people say, make yourself at home. You all do it, don't you? Yeah, not so much you, Jim, because you haven't, I've never been in your house once. But the thing is, all this time I've come up, he's never invited me. So the thing is, that's, that's not true, I'm Joe, I know. Uh, but you know, that sense of saying, listen, make yourself at home. And you know, you, you never get this in England. In England, they say, the tea and the coffee Ask us for it, we'll bring it to you, yeah? You guys all say, hey, go in the kitchen. If you can find it, if you can find it, it's yours, yeah? That's what you all say. It's like, make yourself at home, have whatever you like. So like I go in, I'll have a steak, yeah? And breakfast, <laughs> you, you, you said it. And uh, you know, you make yourself at home. It's such a wonderful, beautiful thing. But this is what God is saying when he anoints our head with oil. Everything that is mine is yours. He's thinking, wow, all the resources of heaven are yours. God anoints your head with oil and says, make yourself at home. You see, um, I went to Australia a little while ago and, oh man, it's such a long journey. It was tiresome and I was completely discombobulated when I got there. I was absolutely, I mean, I don't know if you've ever done one of those across the world flights, but you totally don't know which way's up, which way's down. I was totally all over the place. And I got there and I was far from home and I was missing my wife and I was missing my kids. 
And this couple just said, listen, you're welcome here. We want you to feel completely at home. Whatever you can see, use it. It is yours. And it just exactly sums up this sense that sometimes we feel so far from God. And sometimes we feel so discombobulated in life. We're on long, tiresome journeys. And God anoints our head with oil and says, all the resources that I have. So my friend, if you need peace today, God is saying peace is yours. If you need hope or joy or life, it is yours today because God, he anoints your head with oil. Everything that you need can be yours today from God. And I just received that. Maybe there's somebody in the room and you need health today. You need health. And I just want you to know that God anoints our heads with oil and he can pour health into our body and he can pour health into our being. I love this sense in which we are God's esteemed guests. That he is so glad to have us. He is so happy that we are here and that we can enjoy all that he has got for us. And then wonderfully, the Bible says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. My cup overflows. Have you ever met one of those Christians that once you've had five minutes with him, you're absolutely drained. Have you ever had that? Oh, I know there's probably none that come to this church, but oh. when I was ministering in Barnsley, we had this one woman, and honestly, within two minutes of our talking, you wanted to absolutely kind of throw yourself out of a window, yeah? And I remember, and I'll never forget it, I was a young minister and I was a Saturday and I was in Asda and my wife and me were getting our stuff and we saw this lady at the end of the aisle in Asda and without even speaking to us, without even speaking to each other, we both immediately stuck our heads in the freezer, right in the chicken and we stayed there and we're like, is she still there? Is she gone? No, she's gone. She's gone. And we only brought our heads out once she'd gone. She was a nightmare. Oh, we, she was a blamer, a moaner, a whinger. You know, she just whinged forever. I know that you don't have anyone like that in your life. But you know, I want us to be different because the Bible here says my cup overflows. You know, I want us that we would be people that we would leave our mark on people out of our overflow, yeah? That when people meet us, they feel six feet tall, yeah? When people have had an encounter with you, they feel better about themselves than when they first met you because you overflow the goodness of God. You overflow the joy and the blessing and the wonder of God. Overflow them with joy and hope and love. Isn't this wonderful to think that we could be overflowing, leaving a mark, a trail of joy, of love and kindness. We, um, we've got a loft. I, I, during 
COVID days, during lockdown, I was up in the loft and, you know, everybody was working in different rooms and uh, I would love to go down to the kitchen and get a big cup of coffee and I would often have it right to the top and we've got a cream carpet and oh, I used to love to leave a trail, yeah, a lovely little trail. And you know when your wife is having that chat with you, and she's like saying, Mark, Mark, you're leaving a trail. And I'll be like, oh, darling, my cup overflows. What can I say? What can I say? I'm just full of joy and love. And uh, let's be honest, she was not full of joy and love at that moment. But you know, lots of us, we leave our mark in different ways. I find this absolutely horrendous, but it's absolutely true that restaurants in America, the waiters, the time that they hate the worst is when everybody comes out of church and has food on a Sunday afternoon because they're treated the worst by Christians than they're treated by anybody else. Isn't that absolutely horrendous? We need to be people that are overspilling joy and love and peace and hope. Amen. We need to be people that are like full of, 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 of goodness and generosity and, and life. I think some of you know this, but I'm part of a little group of guys. Um, there's a guy, an evangelist called J. John, a real great man of God. And he's got a little group of us and we all meet together. And just after when COVID was finishing and things were opening up, um, basically uh, we met in a, in a hotel and we were there and we were praying together and we were talking together and we started to share different stories and there was a waiter who was coming in and he was getting us the drinks and stuff. And I started to have a bit of a laugh with him, have a little joke with him. And then we were talking and got, got, got chatting to him and it was all good. And then off he went. And then J. John said, guys, let's just have a couple of moments in the presence of God. And in that hotel, in that room, we just had a few moments. And it's a group of guys, there's 10 of us. And we, we started to sing that old song, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. And these 10 guys, we're all evangelists. None of us can sing for toffee. Our singing is horrendous. The pains were rattling. It was like the cats were joining in. It was like, it was bad. It was bad. But in that clumsy effort to worship God, this sacred, beautiful presence of God filled the room. And then we're just there in this glorious presence. And then... It was kind of, J. John says, that's great. See you guys in the morning. And I jumped up, had to fly to the toilet. And as I went to open the door, who's at the door, listening against the door, but this waiter. And he stumbles back and I said to him, are you all right, mate? How are you doing? And he went, oh, I'm sorry for listening. I said, no, that's fine. And he says, Mark, he says, I have suffered so badly through COVID. I've had depression and I've had suicidal thoughts that I never thought I would have. And this is only my second day back at work. And I met you and you seem to have something that was so different. He says, there's something about you that spills out of you that's so different. And I was attracted to it and I thought, what is this all about? And I'm listening at the door and then he's praying. And I mean, he's not a Christian, so he says, you sang that song and... It's like a sort of kind of magic was in the room. And I was like, no, it's not magic. It's the presence of God. And he just looked at me and he goes, how can I get that? How can I get that? 
And I said, of course you can get that. God, his arms are open wide. He's longing to have a friendship with you. He's longing to have a relationship with you. And what a joy to be able to sit down with that guy and lead him to Christ. And that sense of we're going out from this place and we're going to have the week that we're going to have, but God's not looking for us to leave our mark and complaining and muttering and being critical of everyone. God's not looking for Christians to be letting the world know what we are against. Christians seem to be so excited to tell the world what we're against. How about we begin to tell the world what we are for? What we are about? What we are for? The goodness and the blessing of God. The joy. And that we, our cup, would overflow. Full of joy and blessing and wonder. So I I feel like I want to finish. I understand for many of us, it has been a challenging little season. And I want to pray, not that God would come today and magic wand all your struggles away, but that we would enjoy the feast in front of our enemies. Amen. That whatever you're struggling with today, that you would be able to enjoy the abundance of God in the goodness of God in amongst whatever your trial is. So I'm going to ask us in one moment if we could stand in the presence of God. And I would love to pray for us as church that we would have a moment of understanding that he prepares a feast before our enemies. Amen. I wonder if we could stand in God's presence. I don't know if one or two of the musicians could just help us in this moment, but as we're in the presence of God, I'm going to ask you if you're comfortable to close your eyes. And as your eyes are closed, you know, I just want you to think about what that challenge to your soul is. What, you know, David talks about the enemies. What would be the enemy to your soul today? What is it you're maybe struggling with? What is it maybe that's a challenge to you today? And as we, whatever that thing is, and we're in the presence of God, I just want you to understand that God prepares a sumptuous feast that all of his abundance is for you today. That for peace and joy and life and hope. For someone in the room, for health. Someone in the room you've not slept all the way through because it's been such a trial. You wake up in the middle of the night with anxious thoughts and struggles and challenge. God prepares a table before your enemies today that you would know the peace and goodness of God. Someone in the room, your hope seems so low and so limited. And I know what I'm standing up for today. I know the challenge and the enemies of my soul. And in the presence of God, I declare that God, I will enjoy the 
will enjoy the feast that you have prepared before my enemies. And oh, I pray over you, church, today that you would be anointed. Your head would be anointed with his oil. That all that is good that comes from heaven would be yours, my friend. That all the wonder and the health and the goodness and the strength of God would rest on your head. That you would understand today that God says to you, my friend, make yourself at home. Make yourself at home. It is yours. Enjoy. Enjoy my hospitality. It's for you today. Oh God, thank you that you stand with us in the middle of our trouble. God, that you are with us in the middle of our trial. Thank you, God, that sometimes you don't always just wish it all away and you don't always just move it away. But God, that sometimes you stand with us in our difficulty and you stand with us in our trial. And God, we eyeball our enemies today and say, you are diminished, you are small, you are nothing because God is with us and God is for us. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. your head with oil surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life your cup overflows in Jesus name